the hour is on time. Anyways, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my non-binary friends, everyone can see it is officially time to begin Mental Health Mondays for the fourth week. So welcome back. Thank you guys for tuning in. Like I said, we're going to be recording this. This is live. This is all happening right now. So if as I'm going through this, you have a question, exclamation question. There's only one other question besides this legitimate one. And I'm 97% sure that it's Button saying that I'm doing a great job. Button, thank you so much. Love you. Yeah, I muted them. Trust me. So I don't hear anything now. Let's start it off. Welcome to the fourth week of Mental Health Mondays. I am your... Uh, person uh, that's saying words let's get right into it this first question is one that i'm excited to get into there's a lot to to dive in they do not want me saying their name which is beautiful so let's get right into it as you know i'm getting married my fiance has pointed out that i need to establish more boundaries with my parents little backstory i'm the only child and my mom has been disabled since i was in the first grade uh, my dad was disabled after an injury at work while I was a junior in high school. They have always depended on me. When I was a sophomore, I got a job and always had to buy groceries. When I was a junior, I was the breadwinner in the family and had to support them for a bit. I worked full-time in high school and college to be able to help them and have money to be able to still have a kid. You moved back with them after law school to help out. But now that you're moved away, they still rely on you and need to check in on you even though you're five minutes away. Your mom is very overprotective. Fiance feels like when you have kids, it'll be a much bigger problem. More background, your dad was physically abusive until he was hurt. And according to your fiance, your mom is emotionally manipulative. Having them rely on you and not being able to do things themselves all the time, how would I approach this? You've had discussions which end with your mother not speaking to you and having other families, uh, family members calling you and begging you to apologize and including sending letters and calling you at work. Well, first of all, I want to commend you for going through this because boundaries are difficult in and of itself. Now, boundaries with parents are next level and add boundaries with parents that are dependent on you and who, based on your story, don't seem to have boundaries themselves, even harder. This is going to be a very, 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 very tough conversation. And for, so how, all right, let, let me explain how I would approach this for myself. It's clear that your fiance has, uh, your fiance has an issue with this. And it's clear that your lack of boundaries or just, let's just say the current relationship dynamics between you and your parents are affecting your relationship in a negative way and could potentially lead to further negative uh, implications in your relationship. So much like it seems that you have had this conversation with your fiance, I think the first step would be having a completely honest, judgment-free conversation with her about what what about your relationship with your parents and how you guys go about that, how it affects your relationship. Because there's 
so there there's multiple layers of boundaries that will go into this there is the boundary that you have between you and your parents there is the boundary that you both have with your parents there is the boundary that she has with the parents there's the boundary that you all that you share with the rest of the family that you all share with the family and that she shares with the family and so because it's also it also needs to be that you both are holding those same boundaries and so it's very important that you both understand where each other is coming from in terms of this so that you can both deal with it to the full ex the fullest extent because the last thing you want to do is have an amazing conversation or go through and do all this work in terms of laying the foundation of those boundaries and stuff like that only to have it be that there were certain things between you and the misses that you didn't address that are still being affected by whatever happens in terms of the the relationship with those boundaries if that makes sense so that is step number one then step number two would be figuring out just for yourself what bothers you because i know that I, I have a friend who has certain boundaries with her parents that allows them to still be relatively close, but to, an certain, uh, to a certain extent. There's certain things that they won't talk about. There's certain things where if it goes into politics, let's say, hey, we're not going to have that conversation. That would be the next step is, okay, you know what bothers you in terms of your misses and the parents in that dynamic. You know what sort of bothers you all together with your parents in that dynamic. And now it's real. And then it comes to you and that dynamic. Now, when it comes to actually enacting this, you, my, my best advice, or at least how it works with me, especially when it comes to a partner is making sure that everything is coming from you. Because one of the easiest things, especially if you have a manipulative parent, like I do, one of the easiest things that they can do is make it about your partner having an issue with them, right? So you yourself, let's call you Jack. You, Jack, create a boundary with your parents. But in explaining it to them, you explain that it also has something to do with your misses. They then take it out on the misses and end up playing a, a battle between you guys. That's not it at all. If they are going to listen, I, and here's, here's my perspective, they either listen to your boundaries or they're not a part of your life. Now, that is so, so, so much easier said than done, especially with the level of dependency that it seems they have on you. Now, to that extent, I'm going to tell you this, and you, this, again, I'm speaking to you from how I would go about this. My relationship with my, with my mom was that we were very codependent. We were very close. And then when I enacted boundaries, she didn't like that. And we had that created a separation for us. And we are not very close right now. Simply because I asked for her to respect these boundaries. They were not respected. And I don't have room in my life for those who do not respect my boundaries. Plain and simple. That does not have to be how you do it. Like how I mentioned my friend where she has certain, certain things that she just won't talk about. That's not necessarily the relationship I'm capable of having with my mother. So you also have to understand where your parents are at and where you're at and then find a solution that works 
essentially the best for you because that's what boundaries are. Boundaries are what you are saying you will and will not put up with. So if there are certain things that they constantly do and you enact that boundary and that betrayal of the boundary means that you don't talk to them, that's not on you. That's on them. And they can be as manipulative and as guilt-ridden and whatever as you want. But you are the dick. You are dictating the level in which those boundaries are respected. You know? So here's the thing. I will just put it off to the side. I'll, I'll be as blunt as possible. If, you're, if your parents are having that negative effect on you and your partner, your parents need to step the F back and you need to find a way to enact boundaries, establish, and then follow through on those boundaries. Uh, because like, here, here's the thing, personal, here's the thing. Okay. Personal, personal anecdote. Uh, when me and my ex were together, we did not want to talk about kids. She does not want kids. She did not want kids. And that was our part of our relationship that when it came to kids, we, me and me and Shelly talked about that. That was it. My mother did not respect boundaries and multiple times, even, act, even after having said, hey, you are not to talk to her about uh, kids. This is not a conversation for you to have. This is about us. She still went back multiple times. And again, I didn't find out about this until after because she, this was before I had enacted boundaries with my mom, this was one of the reasons why I ended up having to establish boundaries was because of all the things that I didn't realize that she was not even listening to. So that led to my mom having secret conversations with her about this. So then that played a dynamic in our relationship that I was unaware of. And because I didn't have those boundaries established with my mother, it ended up having a negative effect on our relationship. Now that I know this, that is like, that's why boundaries have become such a big thing in my life. Boundaries. That's why when someone's like, Oh, check your DMS or do whatever. That's why I'm extremely blunt about it. I don't check DMS. If I happen to great, if not. Okay. You know? And so So then to go back to your specific situation, if they are still dependent on you financially, and that is something that you are still comfortable doing, then great. You can continue to do that. However, and this is where it can get tricky, I think you are more than within your right a, let's just reset, reset. A, you have to establish boundaries. Plain and simple. What those are, I will leave up to you because I don't know the specific dynamics of that relationship. I don't know whatever that is, but that needs to happen. Now, with there being money involved, 
this is, and I don't know how good of advice this is, but this is just where my brain goes. Again, that's why it says on the questionnaire, I'm not a professional, but we're just talking about shit and figuring it out. You can use that money, if that is still a thing, to help enforce those boundaries. If you violate these boundaries that I've established with you, you are not getting money. If you go out of blah, 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 and you talk to my wife about, or you blah, 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 whatever that is, you are not getting money. If you do not get money, I am not feeling sorry for you, and I am not going to help you because you are not being respectful of the things that I need in my life. Now, if that is not the scenario you want to go to, then you just have to find a way to have them respect your boundaries. Because if they are constantly, and then that also happens, that also when, and that then becomes trickier when you start to bring other members of the family who would call you at work and who call you at whatever, that also needs to be established with your parents and those boundaries. Or established with your parents, as well as those people that keep calling you. So you have this agreement that you made with your parents. Your parents weren't happy about it. They go and talk to Uncle Rick. Uncle Rick then calls you. And the simple, difficult thing is, hey, Uncle Rick, this scenario is actually between me and my mom. uh, So I'm not going to talk to you about it. Thank you. Is there anything else going on in your life that you'd want to talk about? No, you know, this thing with your parents is really bothering me. Oh, I'm sorry. It's bothering you. That's unfortunate. It's not about you. This is about me and my parents. This is about me and them. I don't care if it's your brother. I don't care what your relationship is. This is between us two, and you're not going to be a part of this interaction. Thank you so much for for your concern. It's hard. It's difficult. It is not fun to enforce your boundaries. However, it does start to become fun when you are so solidified in knowing your boundaries that you then become unemotional by others' responses to them. Because the journey of boundaries is this. You have to think about the boundary. You have to set the boundary, which is the first, not most difficult part. The second part is when that boundary gets crossed, you have to assert yourself. You have to stand up for that boundary. You have to make sure whatever that is that they know oh, I'm serious about this, done. There is no leeway. There is no exception. There isn't, oh, but we're just short, just $20. We really need it. I know you said, but no, no contingencies, no asterisks, nothing. As foolish as it sounds, it's like training a dog. If you let them, if you give them that little bit, they're going to take it. If they've taken that little bit every single time for your entire life, you can make a safe assumption that they are going to continue to do that. And then it'll get to the point of deciding, all right, do I want it how I want it for the sake of that? Or do I want this person in my life and I'm willing to compromise? So that is sort of that tough answer. It begins with boundaries. 
It begins with figuring out what those boundaries are. Then that step is setting them out there. And then the hardest, most difficult part of it all is enforcing them at every single possible second as soon as you possibly can. If you have the boundary of, hey, you know, it bothers me when I talk that you interrupt me and you take over the, you take over the conversation. The second that that interrupting happens, you don't, let her, you don't let that person talk for 5, 10, 15 seconds before they interrupt. No, it's, hey, I'm sorry, you interrupted me. I was, I was still talking. Oh, yeah, but I just wanted to say th- something really quick. Awesome. You can say that when I'm done because I'm still talking. Something as similar, as simple as that. But again, it is so, so, so much more difficult to enforce. I would say it's the most difficult aspect of this all is to enforce the boundaries. The easiest, boom, is the saying what it is. The hardest is consistently sticking to your guns when you're tired, when you don't want to argue, because guess what? And that's also, that is also the beauty of clear, crisp boundaries is there's no arguing about it. That was, that was the easiest part for me. So another anecdote, if it helps. Part of my boundary issue was that my mother would post photos of us together constantly and tag me on Facebook constantly. It wouldn't even have to do with anything that I was a part of. It just ended up being her posting about me. And I didn't like that. So I said, I, you, I, I would like that you not post photos of us anymore. That it, you're doing it every single day and it's coming off as it's for attention. It's not even as though I accomplished anything. It's just, oh, look at this of us. And while that's great, I'm a part of that photo. I have a say in how I want to be displayed across the world. I do not want you constantly doing that. And so if it happened, I'd, you did this and then she would start to defend herself and start to make exceptions. And it's like, that's not how this works. I don't care if you felt a certain way and then you felt that you deserved to be able to. No, that's not what we agreed upon. That's not the boundary. And so again, the clearer you can make those and the more black and white you can make those boundaries, the easier it's going to be for yourself and your wife to be able to to make it through that journey. So brother, I truly, truly, truly hope that you're, A, that you are able to come out of this with something, right? Because I know I can talk a lot, but I think it made sense. And I think that for so many of us, boundaries are the key to our happiness. For so many of us, clear, concise boundaries that you are very uh, regimented and very, I can't, why can't, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to say. You're on your shit. You know what your boundaries are. You know when someone's crossed them. You know where you begin and that other person ends. That's pretty much all it is. So I hope you're able to deal with that, brother. And uh, yeah, man, best of fucking luck. And truly, you got this. It's so tough, but you got this. All right, next question. Oh my goodness, we're going to a lighter note. This is from the one and only Heather K. She wants to know what are a few of my favorite things about my job? You don't like specific uh, specifying an actual number. What is something I would change about it? 
Oh my gosh, I actually really, really enjoy this. So, what are the favorite things about my job? Well, hold on, actually. I want to see before we actually end up getting into this, since we are live and that is such a very interesting topic, is there anyone that has a follow-up question on that or anything that you feel like might be helpful for our, our lovely random person to hear? I'll give you guys a couple minutes or a, a minute to do that while I'm talking about this. So a couple of the favorite things about my job, A, working from home, B, getting to decide what I want to do, C, you all, I, I, there are so many things and it's been interesting that this was asked because I've started to, you guys heard me, or if you guys were watching the stream on Thursday, you heard me ask Marley this, but one of the things that I've been most obsessed with recently is what would you, if money, if you did not have to worry about money at all for the rest of your life, what would you do? How would you structure your days? What would you fill your time with? What is it you would be accomplishing since so many of us financial reasons are the, re are the reasons we go to a, accomplish anything or the reasons we pursue a, a given task, what have you, that if that was taken away, how would you go about your days? And honestly, my days would look pretty damn similar to how they are now. I would probably have the old school Stone Mountain schedule stream from 12 to 5, probably maybe 12 to 6, because I've been enjoying this later start, go to the gym and jujitsu, and I, I would probably be able to invest more time in IRL content. I'm so that leads to what I like about this. What I like about this is I love the interactions that I get to have with all of you. I love the varying perspectives and the varying level of just humans that I get to interact with on a daily basis. I love that we have such a supportive community. Like this is this is all I've ever wanted. The the I all I've always wanted to be famous. I've always wanted to be an entertainer. I've always wanted to be in the public eye, but I've never really figured out why until this started, which is I've always believed that I've had a unique perspective. I've always believed that I've been I don't want to say kinder than most, but kinder than most in terms of the fact that I'm 6'3", white, attractive, buff dude, and yet I'm the softest, kindest teddy bear human being you could meet in your life. And growing up in Orange County didn't, I mean, I don't want to say I was a fucking unicorn, but again, I feel like I haven't met too many of those like me, which is why I've had a smaller circle, which is why I'm very peculiar with who I decide to spend my time with. So getting to then cultivate this community where we are all a bunch of different people of all shapes, sizes, genders, ethnicities, backstories, everything, and to just be able to come in here and just laugh, whether it's over marbles, Valorant, Call of Duty, movie nights, whatever it is, I've just wanted, 
I've just wanted to be able to tell people that like you're loved and that you're special and that there's a place for you in the world because I've always felt that I was supposed to have that, but I never really did. I, I had, I had Dom. I had, I had two friends in high school, really. That was it. Like when I, when I left, when I left to go to college, there was one person I talked to and that was Dom. Otherwise I didn't really keep up with anyone because I've never had that. And so this is what I wanted to create. Um, and yeah, that's, that's why we're here. So I love that. I love the community, community aspect. I love the fact that I get to game. I love the fact that I get to work from home, that I get to have amazing, hilarious conversations with some of my favorite people from the, around the world and some of the most in-depth and amazing conversations with some of my favorite people around the world. I just love what I do. Like, that's it. I, 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 I think, and then that leads to what I would change. What I would change is the demand of offline content in order to maintain relevancy. My, if I could structure my entire world, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to, I would have a flip phone and be able to tweet. That's really it because I don't want to have to post on social media. I don't want to have to be on my phone. I like not being on it. So if I didn't have to make sure that I was commenting and replying to Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, then I would be so happy. That would be one of the things that I would like the most. If there was less offline requirements because that has probably been the toughest thing about this job is that going from this is this is those amazing things, which is why I'm so happy to have have experienced both. I'm very happy to have experienced the type of job where I'm only working when I'm on the clock. And then this job, business ownership, where I can either work all day if I want to or work not at all if I want to. And everything is on me. That's one of the, the things that I talked to about my therapist this morning. I was like, my mom was addicted to work. She literally went into depression because of how much she was obsessed with work. And so now that I have a job that literally makes it so that I can be working 24 hours a day, I want to make sure that I'm not doing that. So it's, I, it's crazy. I go to the grocery store. I go to the gym. I look at the people working there and there's certain times where I get envious there's certain times where I am like, dude, I wish, I wish I could just clock in for eight hours and then clock out and not think about my job again. There's certain times. Now, again, do I want another job? Absolutely not. This is the best job ever. That's why I love going and modeling and doing what I do. It's amazing. However, I would be lying if I didn't say that there was the the idea of not thinking about work when you're not on the clock sounds amazing so i uh yeah that would really be what i would change and then also i don't i don't know if you could change algorithms or how that would work but that as well because i feel if if there was an easier way for those who deserve and are ready for the exposure to get it I think that in terms of the entertainment industry would be incredible. If those 
that don't deserve it did not get it. And those that are ready and are ready do get it. That would be awesome. Other than that, I, yeah, I don't really, there's not much else that I would want to change. I just, I love, I love this. I love this so much. So Heather, thank you for that. We got another question? Oh, let's freaking go. Let's see. Oh, dude, the mods are just asking the best freaking question. So, uh, button, we love you. Thank you. That one already. Awesome. Next is from an anonymous human being who wants to know, in the process of separating from your spouse, she struggles with mental health issues and you share a young daughter that is two and a half. I, whenever you guys throw in the questions with kids, I'm like, I am way too underqualified to answer this. But the fact that you are even trusting me enough to ask lets me know that I am at least deserving of having my opinion heard perspective. Here we go. In the process of separating from my spouse, she struggles with mental health issues and we share a young daughter that is two and a half. Your soon to be ex-spouse continues to waffle on whether or not she wants to be the primary caretaker for her daughter and you're struggling to find the right course of action for the sake of your daughter. Prior to the separation, she's not been that involved as other things in her mental health have negatively impacted her ability to parent day to day. Any recommendations or tips for what you should do to ensure responsible stewardship of both your daughter and your mental health and well-being for both the short and long term? Oh, dear God. Yeah, I feel completely underqualified to answer this question. Fudge. Can I, can I phone my therapist and have her have a session for us? Uh, man. So, okay. I'm going to read it one more time to myself. She struggles with mental health issues and we share, let's see if we can, if there's anything that we can go in order to be able to kind of knock this, knock this down to waffle on whether or not she wants to be the primary caretaker for our daughter. And you're struggling to find the right course of action for the sake of your daughter. Okay. So I think I should ask there. Well, these are so many things that I feel like you, okay. Since I don't know if you are able to answer this right now, as I'm not sure if you're here, I will try and point out a couple courses of action that I think you could go to, and then we can continue. So she is waffling on whether or not she wants to be the primary caretaker. I think I would then ask yourself, what do you want for you? So if you, I think before you sort of go into this, I think you have to set up your own perfect scenario and worst case scenario because that'll help you big time. You get to know best case, like, okay, if everything went right, if everything went as planned, this is how I would have it. Then from there, I think you can start to determine what you are willing to let go on and what might not be as important, right? So I love comparisons. And for me, For me, this comparison seems uh, you have, okay, so you both are, you're splitting up. There's two people and you both want to take the best care of your child. I think that it has to start off with A, what is, what 
what do you feel the best scenario for you is? And what do you think the best scenario for your child is? Because you have to find the middle ground. For example, I always love this example, Glennon Doyle. For those of you who don't know of Glennon Doyle, I'll give you the quickest example. She was in a heterosexual marriage. She had two children at that point, and her husband at the time had cheated on her. While she was working to repair her marriage, she ended up meeting Abby Wambach, women's national team soccer player. They ended up falling in love and she had to end up coming to the decision of, do I stay in my family because that's what is going to be easiest and make everyone happiest? Or do I choose what is happiest for me and let everyone else also, and let everyone else also adjust? Because here's the question that she proposed to herself, which was, if my daughters were in this scenario, would I want them to be in this scenario too? So if my daughter was in a marriage that she was unhappy in and just got, uh, and was working to fix the marriage because she felt like it was the right thing to do, despite knowing that she was falling in love or feeling this strong feeling for someone else, would she want her daughter to be in that miserable position? Absolutely not. She would want her daughter to choose her happiness and to figure out what worked best for her. Now, they have an amazing family. Abby and Glennon are together. They co-parent the two children with Greg, who is the husband. They live close by, and everyone works out together. Now, this also means that you have to have a very amicable partner, and all of that has to go well. But the question that you do have to, what I, why I say that as an example is there is a way where both of you are happy. All three of you are happy. However, you have to realize what is the happiest for yourself and what also will be the best for your daughter as well as your partner. So that, uh, honestly, that is really where I leave you as a starting point, because I, I truly don't know if I recommend, especially with her dealing with mental health stuff, I know that there are certain mental health situations where you could still be a very responsible and, and present mother to your child. I also know that there are certain other mental illnesses that would have a negative effect on raising that child if it was just you two. So... I think once you realize sort of what is going to be the best for you and the daughter and then realizing how your partner plays into that as well and what, what sort of juggling kind of puzzle act you guys are going to have to do, I would say that that would be the best start. Focus on what you need and what you feel your daughter will need and then also being able to judge the capability of your partner as well. Other than that, man, that is a really tough question, and I truly, truly wish you the best of luck with that. Yeah, and in, and in terms of short term, I, it's, it's tough that your, your child is two and a half because I don't know. 
I'm no parent. I don't know the level of communication skills that a parent, that a child has at that point. But I think the more that you can communicate about things, the more that you can keep those things out in the open, the easier it will be to deal with. Because I feel like so many familial issues can be because of what's in the closet, because of what's not talked about. But if you have everything out open on the table, at least you're able to see everything you're dealing with so that nothing is there as a little evil surprise, you know? So that would be my best suggestion for that. But I truly, truly, truly wish you all the best in luck, uh, best of luck with you and your family. And I truly hope that you guys are able to find the happiness and the balance that you're, you're needing. And I mean, y'all, unless we have any random questions that pop up on chat, that is going to do it for episode number freaking four of Mental Health Mondays. I truly, truly appreciate each and every one of you for your questions. They're getting more and more difficult. So it looks like I'm going to have to start bringing guesty guests on here to help me out with this because, oh my goodness gracious. That is wild. We do have someone in chat, though, who has struggled with divorce. So let's see this. Uh, you could say that you struggled with a divorce because of the kids. You can't say that it was for the best for the kids, uh, but you can also say you staying together would have not been what was best for the kids. One thing you can proudly say is no matter how you feel about the situation, you put the kids first and we interact and communicate and do not fight. That is sometimes just the best you can do. You can't say it was better for them that you were divorced, but you can say that it was better for you. Here's the thing, Snickle. And I appreciate you saying that I would say that it was best for the kids because I, and, and this is why I am, I, I'm, I am very, 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 very much for parents choosing their happiness, letting their kids adjust. I think that how you go about the divorce and how you deal with that, like you say, you're dealing with the communication well you're not arguing in front of the kid. You're not pinning the child against the other parent. A, 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 and and this, is, this is where I think divorces can get tricky. If you have two amicable people who are just like, hey, we aren't working out. Let's be kind to each other and raise this child. I think that there would be so, so many less issues when it came to kids of parents of divorce, right? So if you had, if you are a child and you had your parents, like the Glennon Doyle example, if you had your parents and they were amicable about it and they, uh, and they're respectful to one another and they communicate well, I think you're going to have a well-adjusted kid. I don't think there's anything more powerful that you can show your child than two adults who realize something isn't working, but then are also mature enough to find a way to make the working work for their child. I think that's a beautiful gift. What I think happens is that you have one person who's trying to be mature and then one person immature, you have two immature people, whatever it is, that end up making that separation, which is supposed to create peace. You're supposed to separate from each other and be away from each other so that you're better people and that you are happier in your life. But if you continue to just bring that negativity back to your child, then of course the divorce is going to be bad for them. Of course they're not going to have a positive reaction to it because not only did their 
uh, their loving parents get separated, but now it's caused more drama. So they're like, maybe if you guys would have stayed together, this wouldn't have been so fucking chaotic. But if two people can amicably say, hey, this isn't working out and figure out a lovely way to raise a child, I think that can go incredibly. I think that can be a beautiful thing. And I think it would be something, again, do you, if you're here, here's the thing. If you are in a, in a marriage and you have a child and you are so unhappy in that relationship, but you're staying just because of your kid, ask yourself that same question. Would I want my child to be in this relationship? Chances are your answer is probably going to be no. If you, if you don't want it for your kid, why are you going to accept it for yourself? Now, I also understand there's certain situations, financial situations and stuff like that, where parents have to stay. There's so much more. That's why I think people got to really be more serious before they have a child, because that is, it's not a dog that's going to be okay. If you guys end up separating and the dog is choosing one house, he's going to forget at the end of the day, right? Until he sees the owner again and be like, Oh shit, I remember you, but if you just kind of take it blase and, you know, realizing like what you have to realize that you are putting a person on this earth and that is some serious, serious, serious responsibilities. So that's all I'm trying to say. Uh, if you're being completely honest, you still can't stand her, but she loves the kids and they love her. You just can't stand people that use uh, their kids as pawns to the divorce. Oh, 1000%. 1000% dude you it's not and that's why that's why I think a lot more people need to be a lot more careful with who they have kids with that is my story anyway what a positive note to end on ladies and gentlemen boys and girls my non-binary friends that it was a beautiful beautiful I think we're averaging about 40 minutes and this is perfect another episode of the what the fluff podcast for Mental Health Mondays, Mental Health Mondays for the What The Fuck Podcast, whatever, you guys get the order. If you guys enjoyed the video, do me a favor, drop a like, drop a comment, hit a sub or that follow wherever it is you're listening to this slash watching this. I hope you guys took something away. Feel free, drop a comment, let us know what you're thinking. Feel free to fill out that questionnaire. Maybe you don't watch the live stream, but you still want a question answered. That is linked right below. Fill that bad boy out and get your question in here and we'll see what we can do. All right. I appreciate y'all. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, night, morning, whatever the fuff it is you guys got going on. I will catch you next week for another episode of Mental Health Mondays. Appreciate y'all. Stream's still going, but the video's done. Anyway, good night.